0: I have a very special friend here today to speak with you. He is the author of a new book called The Power of Meditation, An Ancient Technique to Access Your Inner Power. His name is Edward Villon. He is one of the um, leading uh, ministers in the centers for spiritual living organization of which we are affiliated with and he comes to us from Santa Rosa California but before that he um, grew up in South Africa and his life journey is quite fantastic and he discovered the teachings of the science of mind and Ernest Holmes when he moved here actually on his way here to America and it became his life and he is now one of the leading teachers in this uh, particular philosophy but today he is here to talk to you about the practice of meditation and um, how it can really deepen your connection to the divine so i ask you to open your minds and hearts to just be willing to let something new be discovered around this practice no matter where you are whether you're a brand new beginner or been doing it for years there's something in here that i know will help you be willing to take a deeper dive into this practice. And also, open your hearts and put your hands together to welcome the Reverend Dr. Edward Villion.
1: Thank you very much. Hello. Hi. 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 I want to begin by saying what a treasure you have as a senior minister. He is wonderful. I liked him the minute I saw him. Right? And you know, because he speaks his mind, he's not really good about not sharing his opinion. <laughs> I love that because you always know where you stand, and his commitment to spiritual growth is just through the roof. I just love. He came to speak in Santa Rosa just recently. And they fell in love with him. I was a little worried for my job for a while. <laughs> I think they were taking the shingle down off of my door and putting Reverend Mark Anthony Laura. I said, No, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> you all need to meditate some more. <laughs> I'm, I'm really grateful that I am here to talk about my book. As, uh, as Reverend Mark Anthony mentioned, I did write this book, The Power of Meditation. And it's kind of humbling because the publishing world is different these days. You know, it's no, no more these speakers' tours where the publisher sends you around the world, all expenses paid. No, you've got to go and call your colleagues up and sell your book out of the trunk of your car. It's humbling. Mm-hmm. So I called him and said, may I please come and speak here? And he said, yes, just straight away. And I'm really grateful for that because I'm loving your city. It's so beautiful here. Um, And the way the book came about, uh, the publishers, Tarcha Penguin, had a meeting with me. And they said at the meeting, look, we'd like you to write a book about meditation. And I looked at them and said, what? Why me? Because I thought of myself as the person who struggled with meditation, wondering how to do it correctly, wondering if I was making the mark. And if I I didn't think of myself as any kind of expert. And I said, why me? And the publisher said, because that's what you're known for. (laughs) <laughs> I was startled by that, and, and I realized what they were talking about is, in my struggle to learn about meditation, I'd been working through it, all the kinks with all my students together. We were finding the right way for each one of us individually. So over time, I did develop something to say about it, and the publisher reminded me, he said, look, when Tarsha Penguin asks you to write a book, there really is only one answer. <laughs> it's Thank you. <laughs> So I said thank you, and I began writing the book and discovered so many things to share about my journey. I just got the most wonderful endorsement from a friend of mine. He called and he said, hey, Edward, you know, I bought your book because I thought it was the correct thing to do as a friend. I didn't expect to enjoy it. (laughs) So he picked up the book and he said, and I'm loving it. And I said, why is that? He said, because I'm discovering that there are many things that I am already doing the description of meditation. I didn't think of mindfully listening to music. I didn't think of chanting. I didn't think of what... And he just went through all the things. And I felt like I got a dozen gold stars just in that conversation. And then he said to me, I'm about to climb Mount Everest. He was was with a group of climbers who got stuck up there recently. And he said, I'm taking... Only your book and another book up with me. So my book went to the top of Mount Everest, so I'm all (laughs) glad for that. And, you know, when I go around and talk about meditation, I think the one form of meditation that receives perhaps the raised eyebrow from our New Thought community is the form of chanting, Because people feel a little bit that maybe that's a bit foreign. They don't quite feel comfortable with chanting. And so I've been talking to people about how that fits into our teaching very comfortably. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, talked about it in the form of affirmations. And this is exactly what he said about the use of affirmations. He said, you and I are to repeat our affirmations... To dwell on the meaning of them and to meditate upon the spiritual significance of them until our thinking becomes clarified. That's exactly what he said. And when I first made my way to a center just like this, I My teacher gave me the image of a muddy glass of water and said, think of your mind as being like that. It wasn't difficult for me to imagine because I had a real muddy consciousness at the time. And she said, imagine affirmations are like pure, clear drops of water that are dropping into the glass and over time displacing the mud until you become the possessor of a clarified consciousness. And he goes on to say... That when we repeat our affirmations, that's how we are leading our mind into the state where it accepts exactly which we want it to believe. Now, that really made an impression on me. Accept what I wish my mind to believe instead of accepting whatever is given to it, whatever is served up, because that's how my life was. Sometimes it takes me a a while to latch on to a new idea, like the new ideas that I heard in the teaching. You know, I come into a center, hear these beautiful words, and they don't always have the traction I would like them to have. You know, like in my early classes I heard, your mind is a center of divine activity within the mind of God. Yes! (laughs) Yes! I live and breathe and move and have my being within the one. Yes. (laughs) Your true nature is love and harmony. Yes. And then somebody cuts me off on the freeway, and then I can't remember any of that, you know? It's like, ah! Now, what was that idea again? What was it? Oh, we are one. We are one. We are one. So, I have to do what he says. I have to repeat it until it has traction. You know, and repeated affirmations, well, it's like reprogramming our mindset with ideas that we wish to believe eventually, and ideas like that become powerful when we embody them. In in other words, when we take them so deep into us that we begin to act as if they are actually so, as if they are true. And then when you take those ideas and you add rhythm to them, and you add melody and music to them... Well, you know how rhythm and music is. It has the power to drill down deep into our soul in a way that words can't do by themselves. It happens to be the truth that people are more likely to remember the wonderful song that we just heard than anything I speak about today when they leave. <laughs> that is the power of music. It goes deep, deep, deep inside. So I wanted to teach my people in Santa Rosa how to chant and the melody to take ideas deep down. So I put together a workshop, the very same one I'm going to do this afternoon. And I was a little nervous about it, how they would accept this idea of chanting in a foreign language. But 300 people showed up and they got right into it. I like to make things easy. So we had a pre-recorded CD and, and we sat together and we chanted one of the world's most Ancient prayers from the Upanishads. It goes like this in Sanskrit. Om Asatoma Satgamiya, Tamasoma Jyotiye Gamaya, Mrityorma Amritam Gamaya. And I taught them how to pronounce every single word and what every single word means. And basically what it means, Om was a complicated word, but it means the thing itself, the divine infinite presence. Oh, divine infinite presence, lead me from the unreal to the real, from darkness into light, from the misunderstanding of death to the understanding of immortality. Who wouldn't want to chant that? And so we did 108 times at the end of it. We were high, high. You come back this afternoon, I will make you high. <laughs> and don't you know these words lead me from darkness into light? They're reminiscent of the, of the Lord's prayer. There's no please or thank you in it. It's in the command form. Give us this day what we need. Forgive us our trespasses. It's very much like St. Francis' prayer for peace. Make me an instrument of your peace. There's a powerful direct approach. It's just like installing a new program into your soul so that you can embody it and become it. And then we completed the evening in English using Melissa Felipe's song um, from her, her CD, Chance of a Lifetime. We'll do that this afternoon too. We used a beautiful song. It's only got one phrase in it. I am whole and complete in God. 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 You count that as one recitation. You try that with me. I am whole and complete in God. 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 That's two. Then you do it again. I am whole and complete in God. 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 That's three, you see. Now, when you do this kind of work, you can feel, even just three times, it begins to take you in. So, somebody's got to keep count, (laughs) because otherwise, you just don't know where you're going to go. You'll be sitting there forever, you know. So, one of the ways um, people keep count in chanting prayers and mantras is to use beads called mala beads, and, you know... There are 108 on them, and you sit and you go through them like this to keep count with all of the the prayers that you're going to say. And when I was teaching it, one of the the ladies in the group said, I don't want to use beads because I have an unhappy association with beads. So I was trying to think of a creative way for her to do something else, and I came up with with what I thought was an ingenious plan. I said, "I just get two Tupperwares and count out as many beans as you want to say prayers and put them on one side. See, isn't that brilliant? And there's the empty one on this side, and then you can say it. I am whole and complete in God. 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 Being. <laughs> you see? I am whole and complete in God. I am whole and complete in God. I am whole and complete in God I am whole and complete in God. Being. <laughs> I got into the habit of actually saying Being after doing all of these <laughs> prayers, you know. And we laugh about it, but it's kind of like a marker, you know. And, and I, I was watching on Facebook, one of the people in my center got so excited about the idea. She saw how she could make travel prayer, you know, and take it with her. And she put on Facebook how she went off to a, um, an arts and crafts store to pick up her containers, and she wanted beads. She didn't want beans, and she was standing there getting herself all together on. She said, I'm on a high, holy mission to get my paraphernalia for my religious work, and she can already see how she's going to contribute peace to the world by becoming more centered, and then somebody cuts in front of the line in front of her at the store. And she writes on Facebook how, you know, she was so like conflicted about how to stay in this high holy mindset and to not think the thoughts that she wanted to think about the person in the line. And I was thinking about that. I thought, oh, how, isn't that wonderful? I'm feeling all smug, thinking, oh, look, there she's going through a process. I understand that process. I've been in that place before. It's all right. Her mind is muddied right now, and very soon all of the pure drops of water will filter through, and she will see the light. I understand that. And as I'm going through my smug recitation, the phone rings, and on the other side of the phone is this particularly aggressive telephone marketer, and I can feel my own mind slipping into mud. You know, as I, I, I can, my mouth is starting to move. I know it's going to say things I shouldn't say. <laughs> right? So I'm trying to look for something to anchor onto, to hold back to the truth of my being as I understand it. And so I start muttering to myself, Bean, <laughs> bean, <laughs> bean. You know, I didn't do too badly on the phone call. Much better than I would have done had I not had that anchor Because in saying the words, it was reminding me of the whole phrase. So it was tethering me back to the practice. I learned a couple of things on that phone call that day. I learned, for example, that life continues, you know, whether you are holy or not. (laughs) Whether you are practicing meditation or affirmation, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's the same for all of us that life continues to provide opportunities for us to see if we actually mean it, if it's for real. It's one thing to talk about it, but to stay anchored in it. (laughs) I also learned that when I repeat a phrase like that, whether it's a melody or a song or a practice, that it does anchor me back to an idea that's larger than just the practice by itself. That's the idea of practice, that you and I familiarize ourselves with something so that we become intimate with every detail of it till the whole of it is known to us, even if you're dealing with only a little part of it. By that I mean these beads, I've taken them all over the world. And I've taught people all over the world how to use them to pray and chant. They've been in India and Thailand and Indonesia. And so I just have to hold it now. And it becomes a memory marker for all of that peace and all of that connection. I just have to look at it now. And you may have had that experience. If you choose a chair to sit in and meditate in, over time, the chair starts to change to the point where... Just by looking at it, it it refers to all of the peace you've sat in in it to the point where it becomes inappropriate to do anything else in that chair. It becomes a marker. Familiarity produces this comfort. I read about that on a website, changingminds.org, where it talks about the repetition principle. And how if something is repeated around us, often enough, we will eventually accept it as normal. We will be persuaded by it. It has that kind of effect on us, repetition. Probably because our brains like patterns, because with patterns, there's a higher degree of predictability, so we like that. We know what's coming, and it makes us comfortable you know who knows that? Advertisers. They know that if something is presented to you over and over again, and you hear it often enough, you will probably consider it to be normal and good, and desirable. And frankly, our, our minds don't enjoy doing the background checking for facts anyway. <laughs> it, it introduces a side question for me every time I think about this. Um, it goes like this, and I'm speaking to myself. What have you accepted as being true simply because you've heard it so frequently? What have you stopped questioning? There's an old saying, it says, familiarity breeds. Well, on changingminds.org, they say, no, familiarity breeds comfortableness. And acceptance and believing, that's why we're more comfortable buying brands that we've never ever used, but we've heard about them on advertisements. So here's my point. Since our minds accept what we feed it, why not expose ourselves to something worthwhile, uplifting, good, wholesome? until we are persuaded by it to believe it and integrate it i mean apparently we have some say in the matter <laughs> apparently there's some power in that it appears to be that you and i can create a new mental equivalent this simply on that phone call when i was repeating bead bead, bead, I remembered how in some faith traditions, it is the practice to repeat the name of God in the same way, as a reminder of what God stands for, or to repeat the name of a revered teacher as a reminder for what the whole of the teaching of their teacher is about. And I imagine some of my Christian friends standing in that line, somebody cut in front of them, maybe they would say the name of their teacher. Jesus, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, Jesus. Count that for one. Try that with me. Jesus, 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 two. And by that you would mean love one another because that's how everybody who is watching you will know that you are a disciple of my teaching. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And by that you would mean, and it is your faith that makes you whole. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You see, and that's how you would take Jesus into your heart and everything he stands for. Or if you're a devotee of Krishna, You'd do it the same way, you'd say, Krishna, 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 all the while thinking of his teaching that says, all spiritual paths are valid, and all of them lead to the one, and no spiritual progress is ever wasted. Krishna, 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 and by that you would mean this creation? You see it all? I have created it with but an infinitesimal speck of my divine and eternal being. Krishna, 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 and by that you would be meaning, it's not the form of your prayer and your practice that matters, but it is the sincerity in your heart that reaches me. Krishna, 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 Krishna. Or it could be the case that you just use a single word, like one of the qualities we say describes the divine, to represent the whole of it. You might say, peace, 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 peace. You know, in Sanskrit, there's a beautiful word for peace. It's shanti. And it is the case in many Hindu prayers that shanti is said three times before and at the end of every prayer, it's said like this, Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. But not any old kind of peace. It's a very particular kind of peace. It's the peace that is described in the Bible, and I've paraphrased it for you today, that goes like this. Do not be anxious about a single thing. But in every situation, pray, with gratitude in your heart, and then you will experience the peace of the Creator, and that is the peace that exceeds anything you can possibly understand. And that peace is the peace that will guard your hearts and minds, and you will live in the consciousness that we call Christ consciousness. Jesus, 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 Krishna. Krishna, 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 peace, 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 peace. The Hindus say peace before and after their prayers to anchor the person's mind to the calm that they say is at the center of our being and also because they believe that in the saying of it, we remove one of the most powerful obstacles that we have that stands between us and doing our spiritual work. And that is the obstacle of anxiety and stress and worry and nervousness. When I say, Om Shanti, 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 I like to think of the thousands and thousands of years and hundreds of millions of people before me who said it too for the same purpose so that when i say shanti i mean all of their searches all of their peace i'm going to invite you to engage in an experiment with me a call and response prayer i'm going to say om shanti 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 and you're going to say to me Aum, shanti, shanti shanti yes And then I'm going to say a phrase of a prayer and you're going to say it back to me. So you don't need to look anymore. You can breathe in with me if you feel comfortable. Letting your eyes close. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Together. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Still my mind. Still my mind. Be at peace be at peace. In my awakening, in my awakening, I release, I release. With my heart, with my heart, free my soul, free my soul. In my awakening, in my awakening, I am whole, I am whole. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. As I love, as I love, and as I give, and as I give, in my awakening, in my awakening, I choose to live, I choose to live. Give me strength, give me strength. Shine your light, shine your light. In my awakening, in my awakening, be here within, be here within. Om Shanti 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 Om Shanti 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 Om Shanti 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 Om Shanti 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 Om Shanti Shanti. Shanti, Shanti. Oh, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. And then I invite you to take a breath, a little deeper than the breath you've taken before. As so we exhale into a moment of contemplation, in which each one of us, in our own way, refer to that divine presence that we call the Creator, using whatever words or concepts or ideas that are appropriate to our path. Understanding full word that there full well that there is no word that is adequate enough to describe that which is infinite. Yet we use words such as infinite and divine and everywhere present to describe something that is eternal and everywhere present, so that we may remember that this is where we move and breathe and have our being within that eternity, so that we may remember that there is no time, no space, no place, no location, not in my body, not in my thought, not in this world, where I can possibly be separated from that which is the eternal peace at the heart of everything. And in remembering that, it becomes easy to realize that my mind is a point of divine activity within the creative mind of the one, and I take that very seriously humble respect, I pay mind to what I cultivate and nurture in my consciousness. I recognize and salute the creative spirit that is in me. I recognize and salute it in all of life around me. And I yield to the experience of deep, abiding peace, as that which is the presence of the one looks out upon its creation through me. A deep, deep stillness steals over my being and I am fully restored into the full recollection of who and what I am. It gives rise naturally in me to a sense of gratitude, a gratitude that is not connected to any particular outcome, but a gratitude that is my natural state of being. And in this gratitude, I am able to easily release this word of prayer, remembering and acknowledging that there are spiritual laws that govern the universe. Or as the master teacher said, it is not I, but the power within me that does the work. I accept it. And I let it be. Once again, I invite you to let the next breath you take be quite deep, followed by a sigh. We'll do that one more time so that it can be a bridge from our time of prayer to our participation in our offering. Once again, a deep breath and a sigh. Then letting your eyes open when you feel comfortable. I invite you to remain in the quiet until your beautiful minister comes back to the stage.
0: Please give your love and appreciation to Reverend Dr. Edward Villon for that wonderful teaching. It's wonderful, wasn't it?